Today on the Zabecast, why sit on my ass watching the Combine and just guessing wildly as to which quarterbacks might be any good next year? Why not find an expert or something close? I did, and you'll hear from a guy who threw D1 missiles himself and has coached many of these young men. All of that today, plus you will not believe who is now a paid subscriber to the Zabecast. Bonus, 1% me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Monday, March 4, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Today, we have essentially a wing joint confidential. Although it's just me and a guy you're going to meet in just a minute. It's not a four-person free-for-all. And even though it was a bit loud in that particular wing joint I went to, it turned out pretty good audio-wise. I think you'll be satisfied with the audio. And I apologize. I picked this restaurant thinking it'll be kind of quiet on a Saturday at noon. But no, lo and behold, we hooked into some sort of youth sports awards lunch. And so there were lots and lots of screaming kids. But I think you'll uh, I think you'll enjoy it just fine. Before we get to that, Twitter is the worst. I know. Go ahead, groan. How many times do I have to hear this? Just quit. Just quit it, Zabe. Stop complaining and quit. I can't quit Twitter. I mean, I could, but I don't want to. Because here's the thing. Too many people see it as real currency. And the fact that I have what I consider to be a modest 53,000 followers or thereabouts, um... That is helpful to me in certain ways. It makes me a little bit more than just a schmuck. It gives me no real power. I make zero dollars and zero cents off of Twitter, but at least I'm a little bit further up there than some other schmucks out there in the media. And I don't give a shit about it, but other people might, including people who could be in charge of hiring, who could be in charge of giving me access to someone or something, they look at these numbers and they buy into them. It's it's the most insane thing ever, but it's the world we live in. That said, I do need to get better at just making sure I'm using Twitter, that it's working for me as much as possible and not the other way around. There is an excellent piece on the website Quillette, Q-U-I-L-L-E, T-T-E, like quill of a pen, quillette.com. And the title of the piece is called Twitter's Micro Slavery. Powerful word. Exaggerating a little bit? I don't know. This writer, Alec Cameron Oral, does an incredible job of paralleling mental slavery, you know, He compares Twitter to mental slavery. And before you judge, just read it and get back to me. It's called Twitter's Micro Slavery. Alec with a C, Cameron Orell on Quillette.com. In the piece, 
and there was so many things I was highlighting. I said, well, I'm not going to read all these. It'll get tedious on the podcast, but let me just read one juicy paragraph. He writes to say, today, Twitter stands as the premier destination for anyone with a particular accusation or just an accusatory grudge against his society and fellow man. Let me pause right there. In the piece, he talks about how Twitter and all social media is engineered and designed, including Facebook, to gin up emotions to stir, quote, engagement because a disinterested or dispassionate user of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., is not a very lucrative one for the tech giants in Silicon Valley. They want you angry. They want you jealous. They want you to use, as this writer says, your lizard brain to be fearful, scared, angry, and just, yeah. Then you keep going for that engagement, and it builds their numbers, and they sell ads off of it and everything else. Okay, so he says that Twitter is the premier destination for anyone with a particular accusation or an accusatory grudge against society. I saw a tweet from Rob Domofsky who covers the Green Bay Packers. And I think I've had him on the show once or twice. And I believe I like him. And I believe he does a good job of covering the Packers and the NFL. But this tweet he sent out was so enragingly stupid. It just, it got me to rethink and everything. I was like, Really? This guy thinks that way? Basically, Rob pointed out that he was in an airport and heard some American, presumably redneck, he didn't call him a redneck, but heard someone say, um, uh, $3 for a Coke, lick my crack. Because he didn't want to pay 3 bucks at the airport for a soda. 3 bucks for a soda? Lick my crack. And then proceeded, the same guy who said that, to mock someone else and their foreign accent. And Mr. Domofsky ended the tweet by saying, this is why the rest of the world hates America. Anecdote plus wild generalization. Peacock your feathers of righteousness and just cup your hand to your ear and wait for the digital applause. Oh, you're so right. You're so right. We're the worst. Luckily, many people jumped in to go, so this is one person. Do you not know that other people in other countries are also rude and also maybe mocking us in their native tongues behind our back? And why does this one incident negate all the other acts of kindness that might be exhibited or put forth by Americans. Oh, I saw an American wheeling a elderly woman who couldn't speak English down the entire gate concourse, and it was a wonderful moment. It's just an anecdote. Anyhow, the problem for me with Twitter is that I couldn't then just move on from this. I got pissed off, which is what they want. Got pissed off at Mr. Domofsky, and I was like, 
Now, now, okay, because I'm pissed off. I'm like, what are you doing? You're just trying to, you know, perpetuate a stereotype about Americans all being stupid. Hey, man, you got a funny accent. So I'm reading the responses, and I'm finding that a number of people agree with me. Like, that's a stupid tweet. And I'm like, yeah, give it to him. Give it to him. Kept reading, kept scrolling, kept scrolling. Before you know it, I'm turning around and going, what am I I wasting my time on this for? Let me continue with the paragraph. On Twitter, the jealous, resentful, cruel, bored, cowardly, oversensitive, manipulative, suggestible, destructive, and mentally ill find their anti-paradise, a rich valley of Hinnom, I don't know what that is, H-I-N-N-O-M, in which to whip up or join in fear-juiced lynch mobs so they can all get their collective fix watching some unfortunate burn. Those who used to pack around the executioner's stake now just reach into their pockets and tap the little blue bird. Twitter is the epitome of sadness and banality, a virtual prison packed with inmates abusing each other to display dominance and to ease their Jones. <laughs> that is some fantastic prose right there, Mr. Oral. I recommend you read the whole piece because it lays out and, and draws parallels in multiple different ways in which you have to say to yourself, he's right. So I must reaffirm for myself a recommitment to make sure I am using Twitter only in my best interests and only for promotional purposes. And I don't give a shit what people say about me on Twitter. Or if I start using Twitter more as just a, hey, there's a new blog post up. Here's what it is. Hey, here's a new podcast up. Here's what's in it. Hey, I'm going to be at this restaurant for my local show. Come on by and say hello. I'm going to not give a shit if someone responds, not a lot of funny jokes on here lately. Oh, I guess this is how your Twitter feed is going to be all just self-promoting stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Then there was another tweet from another guy who I like well enough. And he's a football writer. I won't name him. But he did one of those things where he puts a period after every word as if to lecture you on Twitter. This period sentence period is period the period smartest period thing period. You'll okay. You'll read all day. Period, 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 period. The point he was making, though, was about NFL players, he said to sports writers and media members, stop asking NFL players who might be smart and have diverse interests if they, quote, love the game of football enough. And that tweet pissed me off just because of the whole period thing and the arrogance upon which it was sort of delivered. It could have been delivered such as, I think too many times we fall into a trap of asking players who have other interests whether they whether they love football or not. We should keep an open mind. That would have come across as better. This was a sort of lecturing way to say, you people are dumb and you don't appreciate that there are many smart football players who have 
lives outside of the game. Problem is, and I did respond to him, Doug Farrar is his name. I, I don't care. I'm fine with Doug. I've had him on before. I did respond. I couldn't help it. I just said, well, the problem with most busts in the NFL is they share one common thread. And that is they don't really love football that much. They may love the lifestyle. They may love the money. They may love the idea of it. They may be good at football, but they don't love it. Almost all busts share something along those lines, unless you are a drug addict or unless you are injured, you can't play. Another tweet that got me just sort of riled up, sitting there in the home theater, watching games, really not even watching the games. That's another problem with Twitter is that my attention span has gone completely to shit. It's hard for me now, don't laugh, to sit and watch a sporting event with nothing in my hands. And it's hard for me to just focus on the game. Hmm, okay. Cover that guy. Shoot. Oh, man, that's a foul. It's getting harder and harder. I need to, de- I need to detox big time. And with that, we segue into football talk for today. I met up with Paul Troth, T-R-O-T-H, who is an Elite 11 coach. And he's going to explain to you, if you don't fully understand, what the Elite 11 competition is all about. And we talk quarterbacks and football and a wide variety of things, including just random through all the major quarterbacks expected to go first, second, third round and get his thoughts. We are here at the appropriately named Coach's Corner in Purcellville, Virginia. I have with me Paul Troth, T-R-O-T-H, ECU Pirate quarterback for three years, Paul. Yes, sir. And one year at Liberty. Yeah, I'm a flame. I'm a flame. And now you are coaching at John Champ High School in nearby Aldi, Virginia. But more importantly, you have been with the Elite 11 quarterback competition for how many years now? Seven years. Seven years. And then okay. actually was a player, was an Elite 11 quarterback in 98. The first year that they started uh, Elite year. 11? Second okay. Year, yeah. So give us the background on this Elite 11. I think a lot of fans are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of them, but right. I don't kind of know what it is. Uh, so easiest answer to start would be uh, it's American Idol for high school quarterbacks. Okay. I mean, it's a cult following. If you have a 15, 16, 17-year-old quarterback in high school, if there's a good chance they know about it because it's a competition uh, put on by student sports. Um, we go Student around. sports is what? A student sports magazine is a just a high school publication online now, but used to be a magazine that would get the word out about high school athletes around the country. Uh, Andy Bark is its owner, and okay. he, it was kind of his baby. And then from his idea of exposing high school athletes around the country – he developed an idea just to say, hey, let's have a quarterback competition where we, we select the best 11 and we get them premier coaching, whether it's from Bob Johnson, uh, who was a legendary high school coach in California, and then it morphed into Steve Clarkson for a couple of years, but now it's, it's head coach is Trent Dilfer, and we bring those kids in and we try and go from 24 that we have selected from 
a bunch of regionals in the spring and whittle it down to 11 quarterbacks. Actually, 12, as I told you earlier. Right. Um, and then we try and find <laughs> you an You guys elite. are like the Big Ten. There's not actually 10 teams Correct. in the Big Ten. Correct. It's the Elite 11, but yeah. you take 12. Yep. You got to take Go yeah. figure. We got to have two quarterbacks on our seven-on-seven seven teams is basically uh, okay. how that went. So. All right. So so basically, it, and it's for rising seniors in high school yeah, nationwide. So we, yep. And all these kids want to make the Elite 11, mm-hmm. and you guys are out there looking for Correct. the Elite 11. You have had through the Elite 11 quarterback competition just about everybody who is anybody yeah. Yeah. in the pros right yeah. whether they have come as a counselor while they've been in college so even drew Brees, we we say he's elite 11 because he was a counselor when i was uh, an elite 11 quarterback yeah he didn't compete that was right. before his time but he right. was there as a counselor right. okay. and so there's a fraternity that has developed over the years where you know we say you know 20 of the last 21 heisman trophy winners that are quarterbacks have been elite 11 quarterbacks you know? 20 of 21 who'd you miss oh man <laughs> do you know the guy no, that you no, missed? off the top of my head <laughs> but then, thank goodness like guys have bailed us out like tua and uh you know yeah. tyler last year yeah all right so let's talk about the quarterbacks in this year's nfl yeah. draft and it is the saturday we're here on a saturday uh where they're throwing today right the quarterbacks are throwing right except kyler murray is not throwing yeah. What do you make of that? I think there's some merit to not throwing. I mean, Sam Darnold didn't throw last year. Uh, and what's the worry about throwing at the combine? See, I actually think that some not, some guys think it's it's not a worry. It's I want you to see the real deal, the real show at my pro day. Now that's how they might spin it. Um, obviously, there are some guys that have worried in the past, and they're not they're not they're not comfortable. But Haskins will throw today. Yeah, Haskins will throw because I think lately with the Murray buzz, he wants to put everything to rest and say, you guys forgot about me. And I, you know, my measurables are good and I can right, fit right. the ball here and there. And, and he's a competitor. Okay. You know? I think the Murray distractions with the measurables, the baseball or football, I think his camp would probably just like to control something at some point and right. it'd be his pro day. What do you learn as a coach from a guy throwing at the combine? Everyone's in shorts. Right. Don't have helmets on. Correct. There's no defense. Like, what can you learn? I think you can learn uh, their preparation. So what have they been doing since December? Okay. You know, a lot of guys don't play under center. So if they're exposed on a seven-step drop, that's something they could have been working on for three months. Uh, I think at a combine, you're not used to certain receivers. So okay. are, you, are you adaptable? I think the whole league is how can you adapt? Right. right, and if you can create a situation where they have to adapt in, in a short amount of time, then I think you can whittle it down to who who you would like to have as running your your team. One thing about the combine I never fully grasped was: do they have a actual metric for arm strength? Because they always talk about he's got plus arm strength, right. average, right. not quite. How do you? Why don't they have a test to measure it? I I, I don't. I don't necessarily think you could because it, uh, what you would. Why don't have you get a, a radar gun? Yeah. Why don't yeah. you say? Why don't you say throw it as far as you can? Well, throw or is as, that yeah, not throw it as far as you can? I I mean we can chart the plays last year, but I guarantee you, most 75 percent of the plays are only thirty five yard throws. So that doesn't really matter. No. Okay. No, but anticipatory throws. There's okay. Some, I would argue there's not enough of that at the combine. You're not. They're not ever throwing through windows. They're not making right. them throw over layer balls over defenders. I would much rather see them. Is there put, a way to simulate that? I think you could only put, you know, stand up, 
you know, targets that they're not throwing at, but they're layering balls over. Um, what about that goofy uh, obstacle course at the, uh, at Pro, the Bowl? Pro Bowl? Is that useful at all? Would it be useful no, at all? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't want to turn it into like a circus. But okay. Maybe it is already. I don't know. Okay. So, so when it comes to arm strength, arm strength's important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. No. Nope. And it depends on what situations you use that arm yes, strength. Yes, I would say extending plays and maintaining arm strength would be much more valuable than standing in the pocket and throwing at 70. I mean, you look right. at Mahomes, a lot of his plays, a lot of his wild plays are out of the pocket and the ball is 60 plus yards. Right. That's, you can't coach that. You know, that's just God put his hand on you. And to the point where if you're extending plays and your arm strength is good, yeah. Was Mahomes elite 11? Unfortunately, no, in terms of he wasn't picked and he wasn't a counselor. So I don't really? know if we can claim him. But he did work with How'd Jordan. How'd you miss him? He's probably playing baseball in the spring, man. <laughs> He's probably, which I encourage, by the way. I, I think when you start to look at the best quarterbacks over the past years, it's the multi-sport athletes. Well, especially so. So Mahomes did play baseball like his dad at yeah. a high level? Yeah. Yeah, he in, uh, he didn't play in college. Okay, but he played he, high school. I think okay. he got drafted, or definitely probably got drafted, but okay. yeah, high school. So you got Russell Wilson, yep. Mahomes, yep. and now Kyler Murray. Right. That baseball-football combo for a quarterback seems like a pretty good one. Yep, and Drew Locke, who could have played at Kansas State and a bunch of Big 12 schools for basketball. That's, okay. that's why he's my favorite okay we're gonna go through all yeah. the guys here in but just yeah a second. yeah okay so so Kyler Murray is not gonna throw but he will have a pro day in which he will throw okay right? yes yes and, he's gonna and when when he does what are they gonna see they're gonna see him showing you his best throws hopefully he has a guy his, now the question is who's running his pro day like you know I know Drew Locke and Jared Siddham have Jordan Palmer. Dwayne Haskins has Quincy Avery. Jordan Got, Palmer, the former. Yeah, former okay. Redskins. Yeah. Yeah. He used to tell me he used to hunt after practice in the deer stand out by the practice field. So, yeah. out there. We got plenty of deer yeah. for him yeah. to hunt. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think Kyler is – I saw him working out with Antonio Brown, and his dad is running his, pro, running his training. So, really? his dad's a, a, a famous high school quarterback, college quarterback, and he's kind of like this – you know who Kyler Murray's dad is. He, yeah. He played at A&M, and he coaches quarterbacks also in that state. But that'll I've be heard, I've heard some people say that, oh, Kyler Murray's dad's very involved, and Robert Griffin III had a dad who was very involved. The only difference is Robert Griffin's dad had no athletic background Correct. or pedigree. Correct. Kyler and I Murray's don't think he dad. was Robert's best interest. advocate no. and best interest no. all the time. And, and Kyler's, Kyler Murray... There have been issues in the past of high school, and you know you're going to deal with Kyler and his dad. I mean, the, the Dan Patrick meltdown—that was the evident. Dan Patrick interview with Kyler yeah. Murray. Was that a big deal to you that he was not able to at least dance around whether he'd play football or baseball? Yeah, I think I think either it's bad on his part for not have prepped for the interview, or it's bad on his part from having a bad camp, not giving him the right information to saying here's what you're going to say because yeah. the first thing he's going to ask is right. what are you playing, baseball right. or football? Right. Are you wor Would you be worried about him in that he was straddling the fence that literally up until this year, he was ticketed to play baseball? Correct. I don't, think, I don't think he's straddling the fence now. now. No, not now. But there hasn't had any adversity. There's, there hasn't been a bump in the road. Everything's been awesome. So we don't know. Like We don't have an, uh, anything to 
drawback on at Oklahoma where he struggled or let's say he went through a four game stretch where he was awful and he's like yeah I gotta come back from my would have been junior year or go right. play baseball I, the kid's so talented he's he's avoided really any setbacks and struggle so the question is going to be when he does struggle week 12 when they're foreign whatever <laughs> right and, you know they're dogging on him is he fully committed and that's the question you have to ask for a lot of these kids do they know how to own a playbook are they committed you know it's a 24-7 job as yeah. an NFL quarterback how much if you're worried that Kyler Murray might be a product of an offense and Lincoln Riley that has now produced back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners yes and he is considered a very innovative incredible offensive mind how much do you worry that it's Lincoln Riley more than it is Kyler Murray. So last year I, had, I would have debates with friends of mine, and I would just say I am all in on Baker About Mayfield. About Baker, okay. Yeah, because here's the deal. Not only did the kid bet on himself once, he bet on himself twice. Baker did. Yeah. yeah. And I can see where he's had a setback, meaning he, he was got tackled a, by a cop. He, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a setback. Yeah. And – he was an all-star player in, in the state of Texas, and he didn't get a scholarship coming out of there, and there's a chip on his shoulder. Sure. The only the – only, I don't know of a setback for Kyler, but I do know of some chips, right? I mean, everybody's going to knock his height, and he yeah. seems to have a chip on his shoulder with that, which he responds well to. But other, other than the height, he's never had an issue of being the best guy on the field. Now, are there outliers? Physically, yes, he is an outlier. It's yeah. going to be a question of how can he handle adversity. So I have had experience with him when he was 18 years old. He handled adversity a certain way. He's not that way anymore. I don't know him, but maturity is a lot from 18 to yeah, 22. Yeah. So Does height, I mean, 5'10 is not terrible. At least Correct. it's 5'10. Correct. But does three inches, I don't know what three inches looks like. I don't understand how that could make that much of a difference see three inches and I I, I love saying I don't care about height on a quarterback anymore and it's not and some people will say throwing lanes and some people will say you know it, you're you're in shotgun my argument would be if you go watch an NFL football game the guys that do it the best with the least amount around them are the guys that can throw from different arm angles and off platform like Mahomes like Mahomes all right? up and down yeah all up and down there's that baseball I mean both of those kids they have thrown turn two plays. They've thrown deep in the hole on, on shortstops. So they can throw from different arm angles. And that's where I don't worry about Kyler. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's the age-old question. If he gets out of the pocket, is anybody going to catch him? Right. Right? Would you worry more about body type? Because some guys, like RG3, was right. described as having a sprinter's body. Correct. And, and, and thinner, you know, longer legs. And guys like Russell Wilson are stockier right. and they're – they, they run fast, but more choppy. Yeah, so my my boss, Trent Dilfer, he, he has a, a phrase, thick-jointed guys. Like thick-jointed. Yeah, thick-jointed. Is there a joint measurement yeah, day in the yeah. combine? Thick-jointed <laughs> guys, guys with big knees and big big wrists and big hands. Right. Kyler has that. Baker Mayfield has that. Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. Right. He is not thick-jointed. And I would argue that Kyler's body is a lot more prepared than to take the punishment to take the punishment yeah. probably than Lamar but Lamar is I would say I mean are they better run I don't know I, they're different runners like Kyler right. looks like a jitterbug Lamar is just gliding you know um, Kyler Murray 
is such a spectacular, elusive runner. I'm I'm very much looking forward to wherever he lands in the NFL right? because it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will. But you don't know how quick does a player like that flip the switch from I made my first read and, oh, crap, the pocket is caving in. I'm just going to run right? because that's what I've done my whole career. So the argument by us old dinosaurs who can't run like Kyler and we sit around and we just are amazed is – how many quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl have been running quarterbacks? I don't classify Russell Wilson as a running quarterback. He's is he a, a scrambling he's a quarterback? scrambling that extends plays okay. quarterback. But I don't know a the true last. true running yeah, quarterback. I mean, he's running it 12, 15 right, times a game. Right. I mean, you might have to go back to saying if Mike Vick ever had gotten to a Super Bowl, would he have been a running quarterback? Yeah. Yes. But – to the point where I'm arguing is eventually you got to make a throw on third and ten, right? Right, and I told you that before. Eventually they're gonna dial up the right defense. They're <laughs> gonna have you contained. Third and ten, you got to make a throw. Can you do it? Yeah. So that said, your general thoughts on Kyler Murray? How high do you think he will go? And do you think he's got a good shot to be great on Sundays? I think he has the possibility of climbing all the way to one just based off of what the Cardinals did with their coaching staff. I don't think he's a number one pick because based off of some other things I've heard and I agree with some analysis that he wouldn't even be the third best quarterback in last year's draft. Right. So, but Kingsbury, I guess, loves him. Loves him. Because he saw him. Right. And, and that's the system in the yeah, league. And if you hire Kingsbury, you're, you're hiring a, a scheme, right? Right. Um, so I think he can be drafted pretty high. I think he will be the first quarterback taken. Now really? we don't we don't know what happens today with the I haven't seen the throws, you know. And you <laughs> if, haven't. If seen, Haskins kills a popcorn right. vendor with a bad throw, <laughs> yeah. then who knows where he's right. going to go? And then he, who knows what happens with what the trades go out with right, free agency right. and all that. In regards to a true pro, I'm I'm concerned, right? Because it goes back how fully focused are you? Right. How much have you struggled? And are you in a position to totally embrace what it means to be an NFL quarterback? Right. I would argue that if those things are a concern, then you need to go with Haskins because he's, he's eats, sleeps, breathes it. He's not necessarily always been the most talented kid athletically on the field, but he is the most talented arm, in my opinion, in this draft. All right, let's talk Haskins. Okay. Best thing Haskins does is? Place of the football. I mean, we're talking, I need it here. He puts it front shoulder, front back, shoulder, shoulder, back shoulder, high, low, high, low. In, is he a good anticipatory thrower? Yeah, he okay. has to be because in the pocket, it, you know, the, the stats prove that, you know, when he's pressured at Ohio State, his completion percentage drops. Um, he's not the fastest guy, but he anticipates well. He, he knows what he's seeing when he throws it. There's sometimes when you <laughs> – other guys are like, I don't know how you saw that. And that guy says, yeah, I don't know how I saw it either. I just – I felt it. Right. And, it came and, to me at yeah, a moment's a, notice. There's a combo of just he's, – he's a death by a thousand cuts guy. Okay. You know, he is going to – Does he comp to anybody? Because, you know, Stephen A. Smith made the gaffe of saying, I think he's more of a yeah, runner, which right. he absolutely is not. Right. In part because he's black. Yep. Is he comp to, say, Byron Leftwich? No, he's way better than Byron. Way better, he, okay. He's twitchier than, than Byron. Twitchier. I, I think that he comps to uh, Jared Goff. Okay. I think you could comp him to um, 
bot, like athletic enough, but yeah. not fast. Correct. And okay. then what do we? I mean, we're who just won the Super Bowl? Tom Brady. I mean, he's not anything close to being athletic, right? Okay. So I would say he's close to a golf. Uh, I think he's way better than a Trubisky, you know, okay. in terms of throwing the football. Trubisky um, can run probably. He can a bit run. More, he's yeah. thick. You know, yeah. he can bang a little. Um, honestly, he's, he's probably a. He's very similar. He's probably a better Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. Okay. You know, mentally, he is going to walk on the field and think he can throw it. Yeah. Right. Where we thought, why wasn't Kirk taking that shot? Why? He he exploded Haskins this year though, as the year went on. Right. Like, I'm not sure if he didn't have the kind of back half of the season he had if he'd be being talked about as the number one quarterback taken. Right. right? And, and you are concerned, is he a Mark Sanchez? Is he a 14-game uh, wonder? Because the, the stats come out and they do say, they do support, unless this kid's going to go and be developed, you, you throw him to the fire, a Geno Smith, uh, a Mark Sanchez, the, the amount of playing football matters. It's just by osmosis, right? Like, I play enough football, I yeah. get better. All right, I've got four more names on the short list of QBs, uh -huh. and then if there's a couple that you want to include, yeah. we can do that as well. Okay. But the four I've got, and I don't know if this is going to be the sequence or not Correct. or how they're rated, but Drew Locke from Missouri, right. Daniel Jones from Duke, Ryan Finley from NC State, Will Greer from West Virginia. So, Who do you want to start of those four Next up, since we've talked Kyler Murray, right, we've right, talked right. Haskell. So I think the most, the, the one that could probably be the closest to where the Redskins would get would be Drew Locke or Daniel Jones. I know more about Drew Locke, so let's talk about All him. Right, let's talk Drew Locke. So big kid, six, big five. kid, yeah, big kid. Um, has come from a a environment where he's always had to compete, and he embraces it. But he's a dual sport athlete. Like he literally could have played in college as a starting college basketball player in the Big 12. Really? Legit. That athletic. Oh yeah. Like like they my buddy who trains him told me a story where literally every every game would start jump ball tip get it to Drew take a 3 from the corner it's going in. <laughs> right? Now I'm going to go watch YouTube highlights oh, of right. Drew Locke in high right. school. And there there's a certain swagger about him that he he appreciates being underrated. Um, but he has the strongest arm in the draft, okay? He's done more with his college career than either of those first two guys, okay. right? So you can back it up with the body of work. Um, and he, he can play that naked bootleg game and be a threat to run, you know. He's per to me, he's perfect for Jay's system, okay. you know. But what's the downside on Drew Locke? There's always a but. He's a little risky with the football. You know, he, he, he's a gunslinger. Jay Cutler risky? Not that risky. Nobody's that, that risky. No, no, nobody's that risky. Uh, uh, Rex Grossman was Jay Cutler yeah, risky. Yeah. Um, and I, I would also maybe think, you know, Drew Locke hasn't had a lot of setbacks in his career either. You know, Good. I don't know when he's struggled. But, again, he's just always been the most talented kid on the field. And So, of the next four guys, you like Locke the most yeah, over Jones, in terms of the, in terms Finley, of guys, Greer, yeah, in terms of guys who I think others. are going to okay. go in the first round, okay. All you right. know, Daniel Jones is obviously climbing. And All right, so let's, let's talk Daniel Jones. Yeah, Cutcliffe also guy. big guy. Yeah, and uh, what does Cut Cutcliffe do well developing quarterbacks? His quarterbacks know the why behind a play, and they know when and where to take their shots and how to protect their coordinators. That is protect a, their coordinator. Protect your coordinator. Explain that one to me. Uh, if I call 
a give me, shot. Give me play. a play call. Uh, so let's just say we're going, you know, double post inside the 25. It's a touchdown check down rule. If okay. you got the touchdown, take it, right? Otherwise. Otherwise, check the ball down, right? Okay. Give me another give me another down to play another game, right? All right. He will – he – Cutcliffe's guys know how to do that. That's the same reason why people get frustrated with Eli Manning, right? Think about it. He takes his shots, but he takes his sacks, right? And there's merit to that, right? It's not flashy. Right. But at least I'm protected as a play caller, and I know – we're going to have the football. And that's the why of a play. Correct. Okay. Correct. The Got why it. is, okay, this is why we're calling. Why are we running this play, yeah. and what are your priorities on yes. the play? Yep. Okay. So, and, and people call it different things. He's a game manager, or he, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But they're, they're going to be fundamentally developed. They're going to know football, and they're going to know how to protect their coordinators. So, Cutcliffe guys, is, that's kind of how I define them. All right. What about Ryan Finley at NC State? I don't know too much about him other than I know he transferred from Boise, so you could you could refer to that as a, a struggle. Um, he responded well. I thought he maybe should have came out last year. Okay. You know, I thought he's one of those guys where he fits the old mold of he's big, he's strong, um, he's athletic enough from the film that I saw to to deliver off platform and get out of the pocket, but he's not gonna wow you running the football. Um, accuracy could probably improve upon, um, but I don't know a ton about Ryan okay. uh, other than big, strong kid, fits the Daniel Jones mold and old school quarterback. How about Will Greer? So Will, Will and I, you know, we have a personal relationship. We're from the same hometown. Um, I've had an opportunity to work him out. If he, if, if we, if the Redskins are second round, third round, they needed a guy. He's yeah. another guy that's can fit in Jay's system of doing exactly what he needs to do. He can he can go bootleg, he can go naked, he can get outside, throw off platform. His arm's strong enough to 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 pier have those piercing throws. Okay. The thing about Will is not this is this is all he's got left in in a sense that he's married, he has a young child. He football means more to him at this moment. Is that a positive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's committed. It's, it's either means, this or selling insurance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because he's already had a setback. He already got in trouble at Florida, right? There's not a really any more room to, I'm not a kid anymore, right? right. This is a, this is a business. And, and the last time I talked with him, that's the vibe that I got. It's like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for my senior year at West Virginia, but I'm, I gotta get, I gotta start making some money. I gotta start providing for my family. And in terms of being starry eyed and, awestruck he's just not that kid because if anybody knows who will greer is his brothers are more famous than him they're internet superstars right Na yeah nash greer is like i don't know it's some crazy following he has on the internet that is the weirdest thing right right they're internet stars yeah yeah, and, and not athletes. And that's the nature. It's crazy that that's the nature of the sports world we're dealing with now, right? <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. All right. What about? Okay, we got a couple of uh, legacy kids. Right. Kyle Shermer from Vanderbilt. Yep. Pat Shermer's guy. Big joints. Son, son. And then we got Brett Rippin. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mark Rippin's nephew. He's his right? nephew. Yeah. And he is. I would say Rippin, could, you could fit him in the mold of he's going to know exactly what to do with the football as well. Uh, he's already been around it, exposed to it, whether it's through his uncle. Um, Boise State's a solid program. Um, the things that I've heard about Brett are extremely accurate. Um, you're, gonna, you're concerned with you know his competition, his level of competition in the whack, but size fits the mold. 
You know, he would be another guy in the third or fourth round that if he's there and you want him and you like him more than Greer or you like him more than the other guys, he's good. Is yeah. he better than John, Josh Johnson? Obviously, he's younger, but is he better? Um, I think um, Shermer is an interesting story because we wanted to take him in the top 24 when he was coming out. He just wasn't – he was like a newborn colt. But you okay. could tell he was going to be that thick body kid, thick joints, big hands. Uh, Dilfer loved him. Yeah. And it was the hardest decision because we had to tell Shermer, hey, he just he, – he didn't he didn't make the cut. Yeah. But there's merit to being that guy that's been around pro football, right? Sure. There's merit to that. Yeah, it's done, it doesn't hurt. That's you don't for have sure. to learn how to be in a meeting room. You don't have to learn – what the head coach is thinking. You don't know. You don't have to figure out hard life lessons of this is a business. I bet if you're a kid who's been around pro football, just seeing other players work out. Correct. Makes an impression on you. Correct. How hard they work out, how often they work out, how early they work out. Yep. Film study. It just it sinks in more, I think, if you go, wow, this is what big league sports yeah. is all about. And it's the terminology, right? It's It's – you're not going to be confused on when you hear flanker drive. You're not going to understand, you know, when you hear flanker drive, you're understanding exactly where that. Well, you're probably now, these kids today, I'm betting, are in their dad's iPads yeah. looking at plays. Yeah. Am I right? I would guess. Or film. I would guess because it's so easily accessible. Yeah. yeah. And kids all, you know, nowadays kids are always on their iPads. They're doing that and they're also, you know, doing social media stuff. Yep. Okay. Let me, uh, let me ask this about quarterbacks. Okay. Are comps. Meaning, I think this player looks like that player who was good in the NFL. Right. Or maybe he looks like this player who was bad in the NFL. Are those useful or are those, in your mind, as a coach, a waste of time? Like, if I want to squint and right. see Russell Wilson in, in Kyler uh, Murray, yeah. is that a mistake? Yeah, because I think you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're negating each of them's uniqueness, okay. right? I think... It's it's hard not to do right. We do it with a lot. We do yeah. with our we do it with our own kids. Right? Yeah. I mean, but I think you you do Russell Wilson a disservice to the things that he's been able to overcome and excel at, and then you do do Kyler a disservice because he's an anomaly. You know, he's an outlier in my opinion. And so you want to you want to fit certain guys in certain molds, and it just that's the we in the quarterback world we've lived in that so long that that's what prevented us from finding talents like. Kyler Murray in the past you know what I mean like saying he doesn't look like anyone yeah. else and so therefore he can't play right. because I mean, he's just not think, 6'3 right. if Flutie lived nowadays I mean he lives now <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying if he played if Flutie were alive <laughs> if he played nowadays we'd be having the same comp right yeah you know very Flutie easily. was unbelievable yeah Unbelievable. I remember watching him with the Bills. I, he actually came into Charlotte when I was living down there uh-huh. uh, for a Monday night or Sunday night game. Sun, no, it was one of the Sunday or Monday night games. And to watch him in person run around and just sling it. Right, right. I mean, shrimpy little guy. Right. Five foot yeah, seven? Five, I don't know. Five nine. Ridiculous. Eight, I don't know. Yeah, something just, like that. But but you want to squint and do you want to squint and see Russell Wilson or you want to squint and see Johnny Manziel and Kyler? Because you very easily could. Well, Manziel is a complicating one because of the off-the-field stuff. Correct. See, I kind of thought Baker Mayfield had a lot of Johnny in him. Way, way but different. But didn't. Yeah. And Johnny grew up, never needed anything. 
son of oil wealthy wolf. yeah i mean and, and let's baker's not struggling you know he he, right. he, he afforded to go to you know walk on it but baker schools. you said baker had his adversity yeah he bet know. on himself twice right right and and that is i when he did that when i, I just said you know what i'm not doubting this guy because being able to control a locker room, being able to have guys buy in, but also having confidence in yourself says a lot, right? It's just, especially when you've had setbacks. Right. And and swagger is easy to fake. Yep. And anyone can have it, but you've got to back it up with making the throws. Yes. Baker Mayfield makes throws. Yep. He, he has made throws. throws as a rookie where yep. you go, wow. And they and, and any undersized quarterback, just look at their mechanics. There, there's a certain way that they throw the football, and if it fits – then I don't worry about them. Meaning, right. do any any young kid, if they lift the ball, they're kind of pushing it. But if a kid can stroke it, right, like you see any other, like taking a ball back, if he can have that with hand size, yeah, I don't worry about it. But what's weird is that some quarterbacks, I mean, Phillip Rivers obviously is incredible, probably a Hall of Famer. Yep. He looks like he pushes it. He does. I have no idea how he can play in the NFL with his motion. Right. When you slow it down, he does. He has a little backstroke. Right. But his elbow, if you, the rule is your elbow has got to get at least even. He gets it right. Even with your shoulder? Even with your shoulder. Okay. His elbow is slightly <laughs> above there. And I love It the, works, yeah. by the way. I mean, I love the whole package of Phillip Rivers. Yes. He's one of my favorite players. Yes. And I love the story that he tells on why he throws the way he throws. He says. What was the story? I, I was a son of a football coach. So the ball bag is always laying there and I'm five years old. Only way I know how to throw is a certain way. Right. So then I, I throw and I throw and I throw. And that, meaning he was throwing, he was throwing the biggest full size footballs all, yeah. as a little kid. Yeah. And so the only way he could do that was to kind of yeah. lift it. Yeah. Push it, push it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so a funny. great article. I think it's an SI for a while. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I read that article. I was like, that's awesome. But again, Philip Rivers is not Philip Rivers because he shot puts the ball. He's Philip Rivers because he's the son of a football coach, and he that's his yeah. osmosis. I don't have any data on this, but it seems anecdotally we're getting fewer and fewer egregious mistakes in the NFL yeah. draft at quarterback. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're not going to have, I don't think, another Ryan Leaf. We're mm-hmm. not going to have another um, – the Raiders guy that was out of, another, out of LSU. Oh, Russell, Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, Jamarcus Russell. Mm-hmm. I think It seems that way, right. but uh, no, we'll see how this last year's class pans out. And They didn't really have a great year, the right. four of them. Right. I think, but are we getting better at the state-of-the-art, Paul, of figuring out, yes, this guy can play in the pros, this guy can't? I think, obviously, I think, to, not to toot our own horn, but I think the development of quarterback play has gotten better from the high school ages up into college. And then from college, now you're dealing with coaches in the NFL who are willing to buy into the schemes and mold and, and hey, I'm not, we're not going to be under center running seven step only. Right? Yeah. I'll work with you, right? Because right. now my job's on the line. We'll right? run read option. We'll yeah. run RPOs, right. which is different than read option, yes. I understand. Yes. And do stuff you're already comfortable doing because you did it in high school and college. Correct. And we're not going to force a square peg in a round hole. But those two guys, uh, Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf, you could argue that those were just bad scouting where you got enamored by size, arm strength, and all that. You didn't really find out who these kids were. No, no. And, and neither of them probably struggled, right? Right. And when they did, they were doing syrup and whatever else. <laughs> Scissor, <there>. right? <laughs> and Ryan Leaf was getting drunk somewhere. Right. But, yeah, um, it's just fascinating to me every year, Paul, that 
all these people, smart people, like yourself, people smarter right. than you, if that exists, uh, NFL guys, personnel guys, yeah. tape, film, interviews, you just don't know. No, you just don't know. Until that kid starts throwing on Sundays in the NFL. Right. And Yeah, you don't know. And anybody that says they do, they're lying. They're lying. They have a good guess. This is one guess. of the great mysteries, and and what's one of the biggest thing that, what is one of the biggest things that you think, throws young quarterbacks for a loop, when they get to the pros, that really messes them up. Like, oh my God, I can't believe right. how it is right. up here. Right. I think it's probably the day to day grind, like Tuesday's players' day off. It ain't your day off. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're coming in. Yeah. You're watching film. You're talking to coaches. And it's probably the verbiage too. Owning okay. the playbook, I think. Those are the two big things that when I when like Deshaun Watson comes back and talks and he says, "Yeah, those are those what sticks out." You know, okay. it's, it's week twelve and I'm still feeling like it's, you know, I've got to prep the same, and not just roll out the same game plan, game script, and, and you know, because in college everything's pretty easy for those guys. Really? Yeah. Like How those so? guys, like Deshaun Watson. I mean, they're just it's we have better because they we have got better dudes than you do. Right, right. So Deshaun Clemson Watson has, at Clemson right. had, let's call it three red alert games a year. Correct. Where he had to be on point because, okay, we could lose these games. Right. right. Every other game. Right. They're and, not losing if he shows up drunk. Yeah, right. 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 And but I, in the pros, in it's the pros, 16 yes. in a row. Yep. It's 16 in a row, and it's everybody's good. And even worse, when you're a quarterback drafted high, you're by definition on a bad, bad team. Bad team, yeah. And so now you've got 16 games that are even super hard because right. your team's not good. Yeah, and I think that's what we always talk about. We, we get together when we're, we're hanging out. You know, Jordan, Palmer, Trent, and the other coaches that get to prep these guys, they just say it's not about how high you go. It's about fit. That's right. why Jordan was so excited when Deshaun went to Houston because he had Bill O'Brien, you know. Um, it's, it's why you worried for golf for a year because he was in – Fisher's offense, and then thank God McVay came in. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, golf was looking like a bust. Trubisky has Matt Nagy. I mean, right? Trubisky's not great, great but, yet, but yet maybe he will be. Maybe, but he thank got the God right Matt guy. Nagy came in. Yeah, right? yeah, so exactly. It's all about fit, and they, that's where we went back to original we're talking about Murray. If if your fit is Arizona, the best fit, that's where he probably would fit the best but yeah. the crazy thing is it's they might be their number one so all right for more information on elite 11 quarterback competition yeah where should people go uh we you can go to elite11.com okay. uh search it on twitter and instagram and then you know every year we have a, a show a documentary on nfl network so you can go on youtube and check that out um, and what's the documentary about? Just the kids that come through? A lot of times, it's, it's different every year. A lot of times, they focus on the journey up to there. We focus on five kids that they feel have great backstories. It's a TV show, so we gotta, you know, we gotta sell it to advertisers. But for the most part, they do a good job of explaining the uh, the role of the coaches and the players and, and the journey through the springtime, which is now, all the way into June and July when the final competition is. And Trent Dilfer is. Yep. He's our head football. He's our head of Elite Eleven in terms of head coach. Okay. Um, Does he own the enterprise? No. Okay. No. Uh, but he's Andy he's kind of the CEO of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He he. He's he been is, that since how long? I came on in uh, 2013, 
he was doing it too. So 2011, he's been the head coach. Okay. So he's had a lot of classes. Um, like Jared Goff was his first year as the head coach. So okay. Jared Goff was 18 years old, and, and now is Trent's first year as head coach. So it's all full circle now. And Trent has now taken a job yeah. at a high school in Tennessee, mm-hmm. Catholic high school. It was There's a long feature on him that I saw in, in my USA Twitter Today, timeline. Yeah. I bookmarked it, Paul, and yeah. I'm like, I'm going to come back and yeah. read that. Yeah. It's interesting because Trent Dilfer, Super Bowl winning quarterback, ESPN television personality, Correct. you wouldn't think he would go take a job at a otherwise nondescript high school yeah. in Tennessee, but he has. And not to speak for him, right. but what's, well, you know, what's the answer to after that? After being around him for seven years, I look at him as a, a really a mentor, right? As a, as a husband. As a father, I look up to him a lot, and I talk to him, and we all do as young young coaches, young young men. It didn't surprise any of us because you can only get that that head coach vibe from just quarterbacks at a camp for three months out of the year. He truly is a football junkie, but he wants to make an impact on young men, most importantly. And so, to 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 use his platform bigger, he needed to be a head coach of a team, and he prayed about it and. You know, he thought he had some college jobs and they didn't work out. Um, he turned some down. They didn't work out. It, but this is his this is I really think this is going to be his wheelhouse because he does a great job of having people own what they need to own within an organization. Okay. But being responsible and leading people in the right direction. Um, not always agreeing. Right. There's been some great, great shouting matches among coaches with Trent, but he needs to lead men. Yeah, based off of what God has put in his life and and how he has equipped Trent to do that, that's his calling. Well, that's going to be fun to watch. I don't even have time today, Paul, to get into the whole national program level of high school. Yeah, high schools. Like I had no idea until I sat down and talked with you about how there are high schools in the country that play a national schedule of four, five games. Yep. On top of their regular league schedule, correct. And especially mean, crazy. here, yeah. Especially the WCAC here in town, I right? Mean, those schools are all sponsored by big shoe companies, um, and they are having some. They have the best athletes at playing football in the area. Some kids move in from out of state. I mean, St. John's quarterback is from Hawaii, so that's crazy. <laughs> you know? Um, Poor kid went yeah. from Hawaii to yeah. DC as we sit on yeah. one of the gloomiest, grayest, yeah. wettest. Horrible March days ever. Yeah, and my <laughs> buddy is the re- my buddy Drew Amave is the reason why he's here because Drew Amave is the quarterback coach of St. John's and he can tell the kid, hey, just move. If you're willing to move, we'll play a national schedule and get more exposure. And yeah. um, it's a it's crazy. I don't know exactly where I stand on it because I still like kids to be kids. I was gonna say, at what point does it become unhealthy? It's almost quasi-professionalized. Yeah, I think it's unhealthy for the people coaching because, you know, when I'm coaching a kid at John Champ, I'm not worried about getting fired because we don't win, you know, the next game. Right. Now in Texas and Florida and those kind of places, that's big, big business. It means means a lot. I'm not saying that that's – I would love that pressure, honestly. The Friday night light syndrome. Hey, coach, we're going to state this year? Yeah. Hey, coach, we're going to state this year? Texas forever. (laughs) Um, Exactly. But there's there's a – you know, amateur athletics is – depending on where you look at the transfer rule in NCAA or, you know, sponsorships of high school, 
It's it's, it's great. It, it's, it's great. It's big because it matters to people. It's big because the kids and the parents are passionate about it. Yep. And there is big money in professional sports. Correct. So it just it's a it, no one's forcing this on anybody. That's Correct. the one thing you always have to remember is that you know these kids they love the game, they mm-hmm. love competing, and they want to be great. And so there's finding ways to give them that platform. Yeah. To, and if they're exposing themselves, uh, exposing. I'm sorry, exposing <laughs> them to exposing their talents. Uh, yeah. If they're exposing these kids to something they've never experienced i i'm all for that and getting them out of their comfort zone and and like traveling to go play another team from the chicago area getting on a plane Mm -hmm. dressing up learning how to behave seeing another part of the country a lot of these kids have never been on an airplane before no and it's crazy that they're doing it at high school level with the national schedule but as long as kids are not being used then I'm a, I'm all for it, but it, it gets a little gray area when we start bringing shoe companies involved and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I think the the goal is to try and to grow the sport, most importantly, and then create a, a culture that, you know, you're not putting your identity in this one thing. Right. You know. All right, I got a redskin question for you. Oh. My right. my my strategy as just a guy on the couch with a big mouth and a radio show is to take our lumps this year, mm-hmm. roll Colt McCoy out as our starter, get what I call mystery meat as a backup, right? something along the lines of a Brock Osweiler. Right. And if we win four games, so be it. Correct. I want to I work through what is essentially going to be a, a year of recovery on the Alex Smith money. Correct. And Alex Smith's injury is horrible and yeah. everyone feels terrible yeah. for him. And then start fishing for the big fish. Correct. That are coming there in the form of Tua, Jake Fromm, Trevor Lawrence. Two years from now, Trevor Lawrence, and you told me <laughs> another kid who just transferred. Yeah, Justin Fields. He, Justin Fields is the real deal. You say? Yeah. Now, people are going to argue. Well, he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm is the real deal too. You have to understand the situation where. Kirby Smart sitting, I'm trying to win a national championship, and I got a kid that just almost did it for me the year before. Justin Fields is is better than Kyler Murray. Wow. That's my opinion. Wow. He is better than Kyler Murray. So for so, my Redskin fans who are saying to me, I don't like your strategy. Yeah. Who knows if we're going to get Tua? Because I used to just say tank for Tua. Yeah. And, and I said, but there's more than that out there. Yep. And, and this year's class – Maybe it'll turn out pretty good. Yeah. But the big fish yeah. that you know about yeah. and see, and you coached yeah. Tua yeah. at the Elite 11. Yeah. And you speak and, and the it, world of him I as a person. I speak the world of him because he, he, is, he, is a greatest, he is a he's a great human, and he is Tim Tebow who can actually play quarterback and really? own a franchise. And if anything that this franchise needs, this needs an identity jolt. Right? Oh, sure, yeah. You know, like who is the, who is the face of our franchise? So that's the kind of kid you want. I would argue that, you know, Dwayne Haskins would accept that real quickly. He wants sure. to be the face of a franchise. But if you look at it from your standpoint, who's to say that the kid you get in the third and fourth round is not Dak Prescott by the middle of the season? Meaning somebody gets hurt, we're down, we, we get a couple of good free agents, and this kid just comes in and plays. That could be a third round hit. Yeah, Will Second Greer, round hit. Finley, Jones, okay. whoever. But 
it's not it's not a reach to say what you're saying it's just not popular and it's not flashy but yeah. I, uh, there's a team that's won six Super Bowls that's done it non-flashy so I yeah I seem to think they know what they're doing and, and that's that's where player development is lacking in the league and you need to have a lot of players to develop all right when is the uh, elite 11 this summer so right now we're in the thick of it. We have regionals going on. Tomorrow we have our regional in Dallas. Um, we'll go around the country. I know our regional uh, for Washington, D.C. is going to be at the St. James in Springfield yep. um, middle of April. I don't know the exact date. Um, and then the after those 15 regionals, we'll have a list of guys that we have invited to the finals, and that will be 24 guys. And then we'll be out at Jerry's World and having a big week-long competition to see who's the 11. 12 and right <laughs> and what and what uh what part what uh, time of year uh it'll be a, the last July? week of june this okay, year last week of june and then you can anticipate Set on tv they tape, tape they, they used to espn used to espn cut back so okay. we, we, we lost it <laughs> but the documentary comes out in september and uh social media you can follow it all the time and um there's we have a great social media uh, group there at student sports and they pump out content left and right all right if you need a slappy to maybe inflate the balls yeah shag balls yeah. you know get coffee yeah i will make myself available you know, i'm sounds like fun it's like watching the. i mean it's like you literally are standing and it is like, kind of cool to think Dude. there's a really good chance at least three four five six of these guys are going to be playing on my television on yes. sundays in a couple of years it's yep that's the coolest thing about it, and it's so cool to see it happen right now. Because these were a lot of these kids were my first two years on the circuit, and now they're now they're popping. Yeah, yeah. now they're popping. Coach Troth, it was yeah so much fun. Oh man, I enjoyed. Thank it. you Thank for you your for time. Me. For people that want to reach out to you, do you have an email? Maybe. Yeah. So uh, I run a, my my quarterback company is called QB Invictus, okay. and uh, my name on the internet. Just Google it. That's the easiest. Paul way. Troth, T R O T H. Yep. Just Google up East Carolina Pirate Highlights yeah. circa 1990. No, 2002. 2002. <laughs> Lots of interceptions on that highlight. Hey, Backed man. up David Garrard. You're, you're willing to take risks, though. I will say, yeah. There you go. Yep. Backed up Garrard. Yeah. Nice. He's another great human. And you didn't make the league because of why? Um, politics. Just say politics. I joked that to all my ex-athlete friends. Like, just go ahead and say it was politics, man. You had the talent to be in the yeah, pros. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't get it done. All right, man. Good to talk. Thanks, yeah, man. Thanks, Steve. Let's end on this today. You will not believe who is a paid subscriber to my podcast. You will not believe it. This, when I found this out, it floored me. I said, "What? That's crazy." Ooh. Ooh, ooh, Zabe, can I guess? Is it is it the head of ESPN? They want to hire you away on a multi multi-million dollar contract? No, I I wish. That'd be nice. No, I found out over the weekend that my mom is a paid subscriber to the Zabecast. Totally without me finding out about it. I'm not sitting there watching the signups come in going, hey, that credit card number looks familiar. Or that name. Ma, Ma, what are you doing in here? <laughs> it's not enough for mom to just listen to the the free portion. My mom has given me $5 a month. So 
for all of you out there that listen to the free version and they go, I can't afford five bucks a month. Hey man, my mom is paying five bucks a month. No family discount there. Well, there's no family discount when my mom doesn't ask for one. I would have hooked her up with one. Shh. I want that five bucks. I'm getting my inheritance from my mom and dad. Knock on wood. May that not be for another 50 years. I'm getting my inheritance $5 at a time every month. So if you're listening right now, Ma, thank you for subscribing. I will try to keep my potty mouth in check. Now this is going to really get into my head thinking, you know, your mom's listening to all this shit. (laughs) I love my mom. She's the best. And my dad. My dad listens as well. God bless them. They finally got some warm weather in Arizona. Thank God for that. All right, that'll do it for today. Download, subscribe, like my ma, comment and like, tell a couple of friends. Get the Zabecast app. Premium can be had, zabe.com slash premium. Podcasts are the future. They're like Netflix for your ears. Email me with topics and suggestions at zabe at yahoo.com. Now, go forth and prosper, and we will see you next time.